Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Church Online. I know it's already been said, but if you're a guest tuning in for the first time, we're so honored that you're a part of Church Online with us. If you're listening by podcast, I'm glad that you're part of our experience today as well. We're in week two of a series that we're calling The Games We Play. We kicked off this series last week, and we talked about leading up to the Easter season. We want to make the most of the opportunity we have to introduce people to Jesus. Still, uh, 8 out of 10 people will say yes to an invitation to church if only we would invite them. And on Easter, at least here in the South, everybody will make it a point to be in church on Easter. So we're looking at our life and the story of our life and the testimony that we have and the difference that it makes in the lives of people around us. We called the series The Games We Play. And last week, we kicked off with the title Hide and Seek. And we talked about how we hide things in our life because we're ashamed of our stories, we're ashamed of where we've been, we're ashamed of what we've done, and we don't want people to know beyond the surface level of our life. But we discussed how other people are seeking hope through the journey that we've had. You see, I'm not where I was, uh, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. See, God has changed me. He has progressed my life. He's done something in me and changed me from the inside out. And I don't want to hide where I've been because other people will draw strength and encouragement from it. So week one was all about challenging ourselves not to hide our stuff. And the whole heart behind this series comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. And here it is out of the message paraphrase. Here's what it says. Your lives are echoing the Master's word. Not only uh, in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You are the message. In other words, now the life you live, the decisions that you make, the way that you talk and the way that you live and your attitude and the smile on your face and the testimony of your life, you've become a living, walking, breathing Bible. You see, we don't have to tell stories anymore. We don't have to just teach it. We don't have to get them in a classroom setting. No, your lives are echoing the life of Jesus. Your lives are echoing the actions of Jesus. You have become the message of Jesus Christ in the way that you live your life. Around here at Cultivate Church, we say the way we live our lives on purpose. Your life is with purpose. It's for a purpose, and it's to achieve making Jesus famous and letting people know that there's something that God wants to do in your life. So last week, hide and seek. Don't hide it anymore. It's important that you let people know they're seeking for it. They're wanting some hope for their own life. And your experiences can be an encouragement to them as you point to Jesus. Today, we titled your message, uh, Simon Says. How many of you played the game, Simon Says, as a kid? Come on, we've all played the game, Simon Says. I don't know if I've ever met a person who hasn't played the game, Simon Says. You know, in Simon Says, there's a Simon, and he is the leader. He is the one who makes the calls. In other words, Simon Says, stand up. Everybody stands up. Simon Says, sit down. Everyone sit down. But if I just say, stand up, and I don't say Simon Says, as the game goes, you're out. See, it all falls on what Simon says. It's the authority of what Simon says to do. Not what everyone else says to do. Not to do something without the authority of Simon saying it. It has to be Simon that gives the instruction. It has to be under the authority of Simon that we all follow the instruction. 
See, I fear that many of us today in 2022, we're all standing and sitting under our own authority. Simon hasn't told us to do it. Simon didn't give us the instruction. Simon never wanted us to do it, yet we're all making those decisions to stand and to do and to, uh, to live our life the way we want to live it. However, we have to uh, fall under the authority of what Simon says. In today's context, uh, God is our Simon. God is the one who instructs us, who gives us direction, who tells us what to do, and we must follow his lead. And so we're learning today that in this message, Simon says to do a few things. There's actually three that I want to present to you today that Simon tells us to do. When it comes to the context of our story, our life, our testimony, what God has done in us and what God wants to do through us, Simon is telling us to do some things. And so today I want to break it down really easy about how we take our story that we discovered last week to say, hey, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm going to discover it and I'm going to use it. I'm going to present it. Today, I'm just going to bring to you three easy ways that we can do it. Many of us would say, well, I'm not a public speaker, or I'm not a teacher, or I'm not a pastor, or I'm not going to stand on a platform, I'm shy, um, I, I'm not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. We've all got our reasons as to why we can't share our story. We all have the reasons as to why we want to hide it away. But people are seeking it, and Simon says three things for us to do. And they're very simple. So I want to bring them to you today. And I just want to pray that God would bless our time together, bless the word, and he would encourage us to know uh, what he's calling us and telling us to do. So, Father, I love you. Thank you for this day, for all of my friends who are watching online, listening by podcast. I pray that the word today would encourage us, that it would challenge us and motivate us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things Simon tells us to do. Number one, when it comes to your story, Simon says... Say it. Simon says, say it. Look at Mark chapter 5. We're going to spend our time here today in this story where Jesus actually arrives to a place in Mark 5 that talks about a man who has been demon-possessed. Now, in our culture today, we don't talk a lot about demon possession. This isn't something that we walk around and go, well, everybody's got a demon in them. However, the Bible teaches us that there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh, that God's doing something in us, but so is the enemy of the world, and that's the devil. And so I do believe that there is oppression by the enemy. Sometimes our depression, our feelings, our emotions, our sicknesses can be attacks of the enemy. This man finds himself under attack from the enemy as a demon possession, and this demon living in this man comes into interaction with Jesus. People have tried to take this guy to the doctor, They've tried to chain him. They've tried to subdue him. They've tried to help him. They've done everything they know to do, but people could not do anything with this guy. So this guy, the demon-possessed man, is actually living in a cave. Everybody knows about this guy. He's famous because no one can do anything with him. But Jesus shows up one day, and everything begins to change. Check out Mark 5, verse 18, 19, says this. Jesus was getting into the boat. And the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. 
So this man who was demon-possessed, no one could do anything for him, nobody could fix the problem. Jesus shows up, has the interaction with this demon. He casts the demon out of this guy, and suddenly this man is healed. He is in his right mind. The Bible says that uh, everything about this guy's life has changed because of this interaction with Jesus. We pick up here in verses 18 and 19, and Jesus has done what he's been led to do. He arrives out uh, of the boat, gets on this piece of land, he heals this man, he's getting back in the boat, he is about to leave, and this man's like, hey Jesus, I want to go with you. I mean, rightfully so, his life has just been changed, and now he wants to go and spend all of his time with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, you can't go with me. What did Jesus say to do? He says, go back to your family. Go back home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you. You see, Simon says to say it. it. Jesus actually told his disciples, he said, look, he said, your responsibility on this planet is to go and tell everyone and make disciples. We're supposed to be spreading the news of Jesus. After Jesus left the planet and returned to heaven, everything that the disciples and the apostles did from that point on was to tell people and share of the good news of Jesus. That became their purpose. It became their reason for living. And throughout Scripture, in stories just like this, when someone's life was changed, they were instructed to go and to tell. It's a theme all throughout the Bible. It's a theme all throughout the New Testament. People had interactions with Jesus and they are led to go and to tell. The Bible actually gives us a very specific instruction. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, If someone asks about the hope you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If someone asks you about the hope that you have as a believer, in other words, if someone says, hey, what's different about your life? I just noticed that your attitude is different. I notice you treat your spouse different. I notice that you parent differently. You lead your company differently. You're a, you're a better boss. I notice there's just something different about you. What is it? And then you begin to speak what Jesus has done in your life. We talked about last week that many of us hide this part of our life because we're intimidated. Maybe we don't know what to say. We're afraid they're going to ask us to pray out loud. Some people, you just you would crumble if somebody asked you to actually pray for them. We don't know beyond like rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub. Like we don't know what to say. We don't know how to respond if someone were to say, hey, will you pray for me? And we get so intimidated and we get so worried about it that we try to hide it away. But Simon says to say it. Don't get in the boat with me. It's, I appreciate that you want to go with me. Jesus is like, I'm, I'm flattered that you want to go and you want to hang out with me. You want to be with me all the time. But what I need you to do is I need you to return to the people who are in your life, who are personal, personally involved in your life, the people that you have relationship with. I need you to return to the people that you have influence with, and I need you to begin to speak it. I need you to begin to say what I have done in your life. You see, it's no different than, say, a courtroom environment. Have you ever been called for jury duty? I got called for jury duty one time in my life, and I enjoyed it. I'm one of those weirdos that enjoy jury duty. I got paid to go and to sit in a room and hear a court case and, and to hear it argued in a court of law, and I got to be a part of the process. 
that made a decision to rule for justice. I thought it was a cool experience. In our culture today, we are obsessed with true crime. Every podcast, every documentary has got to do with some sort of true crime situation, a true crime story. We like to be a part of solving or seeing the resolution, the process of true crime. If you get called into a courtroom and you are a witness, that's where the, you ever seen one of those documentaries and they go, we're going to bring in an eyewitness and then everybody gets worried. The court goes silent. They go, oh no, there's an eyewitness. Someone actually saw this take place. You see the eyewitness changes everything. You see, until the eyewitness shows up, it's hearsay. Like it's a theoretical. We're trying to prove it. As the eyewitness, your job is to walk in and to explain or to communicate or to say what it is that you saw. Say what it is that you experienced. You see, it's the lawyer's job to try to argue the facts. It's the lawyer's job to try to present the case. It's the judge's job to make the final decision. The only thing the witness has to do is just give the personal account. But it is that personal account that can change the outcome of the entire case. You see, many people are living and they're hearing people argue the case. Culture is arguing about what's right and what's wrong, what you should do or what you should not do. All throughout history, culture has changed and it has shaped and it has ebbed and flowed and it has mutated into different things and different philosophies and different ideas and and different feelings. But here's the reality. God's word has always stayed the same. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he has done is exactly what he's still doing today because God's desire is to change our lives from the inside out through the power of Jesus and set us free from addiction, set us free from our uh, hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups, that he wants to radically change our life. And exactly what you've experienced, don't leave it to somebody else to try to discover it for themselves. No, he says, you go and you say it. Go and tell everybody what the Lord has done. I want to ask you a question as you watch today. In our time together, here's the question. What has God done for you? What is it that God has done? How are you different? How has God changed your life? Where were you until you met Jesus? And then what has the difference been? If you've really fallen in love with Jesus, he's changed everything. And he's still changing things. We haven't arrived yet. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. But he's still changing and he's making us better. He's refining us every single day. I am continually getting better because of Jesus. And God has told me, Simon has said, to go and to say it. I want to encourage you today to pray for the boldness. Pray for the courage. Pray for the words to begin to say, to begin to articulate, to communicate, to speak what he's done in your life. It very well may be that the words you speak, the Bible says, has the power of life and death. So the words you speak may very very well be the life into somebody's death that they need. Your words may be the light in the middle of somebody's darkness that they need to hear. Your words of encouragement, your words of, I was addicted, I was in despair, I was depressed, my marriage was falling apart, I was hopeless, I was helpless, I had no self-esteem, I was, but now I am because of Jesus. 
Don't spend so much time being so spiritually good that you're no earthly good. In other words, don't just spend all of your time gaining and growing from Jesus without going and doing what he said and speaking about him. This man, all he wanted to do was be with Jesus. And that's incredible. But Jesus said, as much as I appreciate it, I need you to go back to your family. I need you to say it. I need you to go and I need you to speak it. So number one, Simon says, say it. And then number two, here's another way to share, live out your story. To become the living message of Jesus is you need to show it. Number two, you need to show it. See, saying it is one thing, but showing it is another. Look at Mark chapter 5, verses uh, 20 says this. It says, so the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, and he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So Jesus says, go back and say it. Go back to your family. Go back to your friends. Go back to where you're from and begin to tell everybody about what I've done. So this man actually shows up. The man doesn't write a letter. He doesn't just post an image. He, he doesn't just send word about it. He doesn't just wait for other people to talk about it. No, he, he does what Jesus says. He shows up in person. He begins to speak it, and everybody begins to see the difference. You see, this is the same man that was bound by chains because they couldn't subdue him. This was the same man that they said had ripped all of his clothes off because he couldn't even keep him clothed. This is the same man that had the power of the Hulk because he was breaking chains and ropes and all the, the bondage that they were trying to subdue him with. I mean, this guy was messed up. Visually, they could see a change. As soon as he walked into the room, as soon as this man walked back into town, as soon as he walked back through the neighborhood, as soon as he went back to his place of employment, as soon as he went back to mama's house and he went to granny's house and he went back into the church house, I mean, anywhere this guy went, it was clear something was different. See, the way that we live, the way that you present yourself, it shows something. Not only are you speaking it, but you're telling it. People can tell something is different about the way that you live when you show it with your actions, when you show it with your attitude, when you show it with the life that you're living on purpose. Show the change that Jesus has made in your life. It's the little things. I remember years ago now when uh, HGTV got real popular because of Chip and Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper. Many of us have destroyed our houses because we spent a few minutes watching Fixer Upper on TV and the whole change that took place in like 45 minutes, we thought we could do the same thing and we messed up our house. But I can remember my wife and I loving to watch Chip and Joanna Gaines. The show became really big about the time uh, we purchased our home and so we were just motivated of all the things we were going to do at our house because of what we were seeing easily on TV. But there was something about when we would watch that couple and we noticed the interaction they had as a married couple in the life and the way they talked to each other, the way they treated each other, their attitude. It, there was just something different about them. We could see it in their life. And I remember telling my wife, I said, you know what? I said, these guys have to know Jesus. I knew nothing about them at the time. They were pretty new, but I said, there's just something so different about this couple. 
And I began to do some research only to learn that they were strong believers in Jesus. And their life had been changed by Jesus. And everything that they did was rooted on their faith in Jesus. See, the way they lived, they did exactly what Jesus is instructing us to do. To go and to say it and to go and to show it. There's a few sayings about what we say. Because some, some people would discredit what we say. You see, it's one thing to say it. And that's important because Jesus says to go and to say it. But some people, because of our culture, because some people say things that they don't follow through on, there's actually sayings like this, talk is cheap. You heard that one before? Talk is cheap. Somebody said, well, don't, don't tell me, show me. See, I'll believe it when I see it. See, we've heard all of these. How about this old one? This is an old, maybe this is a southern one, I don't know. The proof is in the pudding. I don't even know where that comes from, but I've heard it my whole life. The proof is in the pudding. In other words, it's what you present to me. It's what you show me. Or this one's powerful. Put your money where your mouth is. In other words, go ahead and begin to spend it. If you put your money on it, then you really believe in it. It must be real. It must be authentic. You see, the life that we live and what we do with our actions, it reinforces what we say. See, it's not one or the other. It's not just say it. Because I've known many people that said it, but I thought, your, your actions, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't follow. It doesn't align with what you're saying. You ever saw somebody with their face that looks so mad, and they try to convince you that they're happy? No, I'm happy. I'm fine. I'm not mad at all. But I'm like, well, can you let your face know that you're, that you're happy? Because it, it's not, it, it doesn't make sense. They're not working together. See, you, 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 you don't separate those. What you say, you must also show. And the way that you live your life and the actions of it, the decisions that you're making, the way you reinforce the words that you've spoken, it makes the difference in the lives of people. There's the 73855 rule about speech, about our communication. And here's what that rule is. It says 7% of what we communicate is with actual words. So when you are interacting with people, 7% of that interaction actually comes from the words that we speak. 38% comes from the voice tone that we use. I get in trouble with this one. My wife will tell me all the time. She said, it's your, it's your tone. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. See, some people, you can completely uh, misconstrue what has been communicated or what's been said over voice tone. So 7% is what you say, 38% is with the tone in which you say it, and then 55% of communication comes from your actions. Did you know that many people actually study body language more than they study the words that are spoken. The FBI uses this as a part of their process in determining if someone is telling the truth or if someone is telling a lie. You see, they don't bring somebody in who may be accused of a crime, who may be accused of a murder, and they don't just go by what they say. See, they'll come in and go, oh, I'm innocent. I didn't do it. Or and you go, well, that's great. I hear what you're saying. And that's important because you, you're not supposed to lie or what, on the stand. You, you, you have to tell the truth. You can get more in trouble if you're found lying under oath. So what you say matters. But also the body language in which you're saying things, the communication of what you see. One of the lead investigators from the FBI, a guy named Chris Voss, he was a former FBI lead investigator, and he says this. He said, uh, he said words communicate, or, or the actions communicates what we do is far more powerful than the words. So the actions and what you do is far more powerful 
than the words that you speak. Simon says to say it. Jesus told this man who had a miraculous change, life change, interaction with Jesus. He said, you go back and you begin to tell people what I've done. And Jesus knew that when he got there, when people were able to see him, when they were able to lock their eyes visually on him, and suddenly he wasn't angry, but he was, he was happy. He wasn't erratic, but he was calm. He was sober and in his right mind. He wasn't screaming at people. He wasn't trying to hurt people, but no, he was gentle with people. He was caring with people. He could carry a conversation with people. He would smile at them. He would greet them. Everything about his life and the interaction that they had with him was completely different. Why? Because Jesus had changed his life. So the words he spoke was reinforced by the actions of his life. If you have been changed through Jesus, you will look different. Everything about your life, you'll look different. You, you will present yourself in a different way. You'll talk different. You'll speak different words. You'll change your language. You'll change the words that you use. You'll change the way you use them. You'll change the way that you, uh, your attitude in which you say things and, and how you treat people and how you're careful with the way that you say things to people because there's life and death in the tongue. How you respond to people, it's different. Look, you'll never, ever, ever show people Jesus when you show people the world. You'll never influence the world trying to be like it. So you can't show people Jesus when you're living the world. See, when you, you can't bring and marry the two. What you say, you have to live. And what you live becomes more important even than what you say. You gotta say it, you gotta show it. If your ultimate passion is Jesus, he'll be present in everything you do. If your ultimate passion is Jesus, he will be present in everything that you do. There's nothing that you do with your life. There's no action that you would take that Jesus wouldn't be present in if you're ultimately passionate about Jesus. So I've already asked you today, uh, when you say it, what is it that you'll say? What is it that Jesus done? What would it be that you would communicate to people? And then I want to ask you as well, and I want to challenge you in, are you showing it very well? Are you showing it to people? Are your actions and your attitudes are they showing Jesus or are they showing still some of the old rough around the edges me? Because there are some days I just have to say, God, I need your help. I missed it today. My attitude was off. My, my words were off. I just, I just didn't have it together today. And I didn't represent you very well. I didn't show your life living in me very well. Are you showing it? Are people being able to see the life-changing of Jesus in you living through you by the actions of your life? So Simon says, say it. Simon says, show it. And then number three, the last thing I would tell you, very simple things today of how we are the living message, is Simon says to serve it. Simon says, serve it. Look at Mark chapter 5, and we're going to go back to the very beginning of this story. Look what happened. It says they arrived to the other side of the lake. This is when Jesus first got to where this man is, in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat... A man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. You see, this goes back to the very qualities of Jesus. See, we've been celebrating in this story a life change that have taken place in this man who was demon-possessed. But as we see this life change that's taken place today in this story, it began with Jesus who was willing to serve. 
Everything Jesus taught us to do with his life was to serve other people. Jesus is nearly, I mean, nearly, uh, I mean, barely on land, like, like nearly got a foot out of the boat, and there's somebody already running to him, needing something from him. Many of us can understand that. You get out of bed in the morning, the kids are running to you, the phone's ringing, the email's going off, text messages, work is calling. I mean, somebody needs something all the time, and it's draining. But there's Jesus. He shows up, and somebody, before he gets out of the boat, is running to him with a major need. This day, it happens to be a demon-possessed man who nobody has been able to do anything with. But yet, Jesus gets out of the boat, and he begins to serve this man. And because Jesus chose to serve, the miracle could be facilitated in this man's life. You see, when you choose to get out of the boat of your life and begin to serve everybody else. See, we can get in our own little space and we can get it just like we like it and we can try to keep everybody else out. There's only so much room in the boat. But when you get out and people are running in need from you, what would happen today if you opened your arms and you began to serve the people who are around you? always think of it like a restaurant. There's two types of people who you'll find in a restaurant. Number one, it's those who are there to be served. You've gone because you want to sit down. You want somebody to prepare your food. You want somebody to ask you what you want. You want to look at a selection and choose and have them bring it to you, put a napkin down for you, put utensils down for you, pour you something to drink. You've gone to be served. And then there are a group of people who are in that same building, in that same environment, and their goal is to serve you. And what Jesus wants us to do is to shift our focus from people who always think it's about us being served so that we can change the direction, that we can change our role, and we can get up and serve someone else. Just like there's two types of people in a restaurant, I believe these two types of people exist in our culture. There are those who have come to serve, and there are those who have come to be served. And when we say yes to Jesus... When he's changed our life, he anticipates us to go and to be servants. How do we know? Because he taught us that. He said the first must be last. Jesus was the first to serve everybody else, to wash their feet, to lower himself, to humble himself so that he could serve other people. But we naturally do things that benefit ourselves. We just do. We say this with our attitude. I can only please one person today, so it might as well be me. That's our natural attitude, is we think about ourselves first. Jesus could have said, man, look, everybody else has tried to help you. I, I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. I've had a long journey across this lake in this rickety boat. I don't know. Maybe the boat was nice. I don't know. But Jesus could have easily done whatever he felt like doing in the moment, but he chose to serve those people. It's who Jesus was. Jesus was generous. See, Jesus could have charged for miracles, Doctors were expensive, but Jesus didn't charge for miracles. Jesus could have charged for his teaching. Think about what it costs to get an Ivy League education, to go to college and, and to get your degree. It's expensive. Jesus could have charged for that kind of information, but he didn't. Jesus could have leveraged for salvation. Think about what Jesus could have said. Look, I'm, I, I'm here to provide eternal salvation, the forgiveness of sin. I mean, imagine if you had that leverage on people, what you may could have gotten out of people. But that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus gave everything that he had. Jesus came to serve. Let me ask you this question today. What do you have to give? What is it that you can do? Jesus got out of this boat and he began to serve. 
What is it that you can serve? How can you serve the people that are around you? The Bible says when we get to heaven one day, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You did something. You served people. I want it to be said about my life that I served people, that I was able to communicate what Jesus had done. And by the way that I live in front of people without even know they're watching, that they see Jesus in me, that I represent him well. And with the actions of my life, it is so that I gave my life away to serve other people. We overcomplicate this uh, this, this telling people about Jesus and sharing our story. We overcomplicate it. We try to hide it. We try to, we try to remove ourselves from it because we're intimidated. But Simon says, say it. Simon says to show it. Simon says to serve it. I want to encourage you today. What would you say that Jesus had done? If you can't answer that question, sit down and recount all the goodness of God in your life. And then begin to think about your life today. Are you showing it? Can people see it in you? Do people see it at work? Do people see it in your family? Are you treating people well? Are you representing Jesus well with the life that you're living? And then what's your approach to life? Is it to serve or is it to be served? Well, Jesus said we're here to serve. So I want to challenge us today. If we would just do these three things, combine what Simon says to do, I'm telling you we'd make a difference in the lives of people who are around us. And ultimately, that's what we're called to do, to make Jesus famous. If we begin doing that now, we lead this up to the Easter season, wow, the difference it can make in people's lives. And so I want to pray that over us today. Wherever you are, if you can, I just want you to take a moment, focus in on just this moment of prayer. You may be watching today and you go, wow, that's great, but I haven't even said yes to Jesus. I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I can't say that he's done anything because I haven't had that moment. Today, I want to pray for you that this would be your day. And then for the rest of us, maybe you're following Jesus and you're struggling in one of these areas. You're still playing hide and seek. You want to hide what Jesus has done. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you, you just know that I'm not showing it very well. You've said yes to Jesus and you can say what he's done, but, but you're just not showing it very well. Or maybe we have a hard time with slowing our life down, the pace of our life to see other people and the needs of other people to serve other people. You know where you are. But I'm going to pray today that we would be able to walk and live these three things that Simon says. So God, I pray for my friends today watching online. If there's any of us today that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, we just pray, forgive us of our sin. We choose to put you first. We choose to submit our life to you today. And we want to love you and, and follow you and learn to serve you with the best of our life. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation today. And God, I pray for all of us that we would be able to do what Simon says to do, that we would, God, we would be able to say what you've done. God, that we would show it with the life that we live and that we would serve others around us. Because of these three things, God, people will see you. So help us, motivate us, encourage us, equip us. Uh, God, I just pray that you would just make us passionate about living life on purpose so that we can point people to you. Jesus, you'll get all the credit for everything you do in our life. In Jesus' name.